0: Um, good morning. Uh, thanks again for being with us. Uh, we yesterday one of our uh, homegrown harvesters, uh, Samantha Yi, got married up in in New York, and um, uh, it was. Re- I guess I'm sure it was really exciting and really good and really worshipful. A lot of our folks are up there right now. Um, through Facebook, I was able to to see a little bit of um, what some of these folks were were able to, to see up there, and it was really cool. And I think I'm, I'm grateful for social media and for Facebook and technology and things like that that allow us a glimpse, uh, an experience um, to, to take part in something that we were not uh, even around. I don't know if you guys um, appreciate that or not, but one of the things I noticed, especially about Facebook, um, if you look at your Facebook posts or fit your timeline or whatever, um, I'm realizing, in at least in it, for me, how much of my um, posts and status updates and pictures involve... <laughs> Um, involve food and involve experiences that I've been, I've been involved in. You guys feel like that? Is that the trend with y'all also? Maybe, maybe not. Or places that you've been to or that super moon that you saw last night. Anyone see the super moon last night? Yeah, was it pretty cool? yeah it was all right um i'm waiting for people to put up pictures but we were they said it's supposed to be the biggest at midnight and so olive and i were waiting and waiting and waiting and then she fell asleep and i looked out at midnight and it was like nothing much to to write home about but people do that and they put up pictures and they throw these things up on facebook so that you can enter into that experience with them Uh, i was talking i don't know if they're they're here but i was hanging out with uh three three brothers daniel and sungho and eddie um, earlier this week and um Sung-ho was telling me about this new website. I don't know if you guys – maybe you guys are familiar with it. But it, it's a website where you can take video, right? You got your phone or whatever, and you're taking a video of some event. It's a concert or a graduation or a game or something like that. And you can um, link it to this website. And if people go in, log into this website, they can search for this event. So – I don't know what, what event it would be, like Great Meteor Shower, something like that, or um, go to like UCF Graduation. They type in UCF Graduation, and all of the different people who are filming this will log into this thing, and they'll show it. And then you can look at um, all of the angles that are being posted on this website. And so you can virtually be there at that experience on the, in that experience through uh, fellow users like, like you. It's pretty crazy. And all of these things are exploding all around the Internet and all around social media as a way for us to enter into these amazing experiences that people are, are, are being part of. And it's our invitation to enter in because they've experienced something so wonderful and so amazing that they don't want this to be kept to themselves. So as, as we look at the journey of faith through the life of Mary Magdalene, uh, what we're going to look at today is, is that, 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 that very idea. At one of the next steps in the journey as we follow Christ, as we experience the healing and transforming power of, of Jesus Christ in our lives, one of the next steps, one of the things that is part and parcel of the journey is that we jump on board to do whatever we can to get others to enter into that experience with us so that they too could experience the life changing power of Jesus Christ. As we've been looking at, we're going to look for one last week today at Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, we're going to read verses 1 through 3, and I, I know this has been our text for the last couple of weeks. Uh, But I think it's important that we just look at one last thing from this before we move on as we continue looking at uh, the journey of faith that not only Mary Magdalene was on, but each of us uh, are placed on. This is Luke 8. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, And also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. This is God's word. Uh, You remember Mary Magdalene from the, the first week we talked about how Jesus isn't just a subject to be studied. He's a person that needs to be experienced. And in order for us to begin this journey of faith, uh, the the journey of life eternal begins when we have this life-transforming encounter with Jesus. But Mary, you remember, she had all of these demons like afflicting her and tormenting her and causing her to do all kinds of crazy things. And for a person like her, which I I posit all of us are, that all of us are spiritually oppressed as we enter into this broken world. A person like Mary doesn't need to read more or study more or try harder. She needs to encounter the life-changing person in the power of Jesus Christ. That's where the life eternal begins. When we put our faith in him and say, I need to latch myself to him. And then last week we saw that as we continue on this journey... We're saved into a community and we're saved to follow Jesus. And the first thing that she did was she said, I don't care what, what my past life was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cling on to Jesus and I'm going to follow him wherever he goes. And I'm going to not only follow him, but I'm going to dive into a community where grace is embraced, just like uh, it happened in me. Now, the, the third thing that we're going to see is that if we have had a life-changing encounter with Jesus, then the next thing we're going to do is we're going to get busy serving Jesus. Okay, we're going to get busy serving Jesus. There's just two points here, and we're going to come to the table. But two things I think are highly, highly, highly important for us to understand. And here's the first thing, is that salvation always okay, leads to service, and this is a one-way street. Okay? Salvation always leads to service, and this is a one-way street. What do I mean by that? It just is a simple picture here. The journey of faith, the salvation journey is like a train, okay? Here's the train. You jump onto that salvation train. That next stop is service. That's it, and you can't go back. Okay, here's what that means. Two things that it means. Let me break it down. The first thing that it means is if you're saved, then you will serve. Okay, that's what he's saying. That's the first thing. Okay, the second thing is if you're serving Jesus, it's because you've been saved. Okay, the first thing is a reality. The second thing is a motivation. So the first thing, if you're saved, then you will serve. Jesus talks about this, and the Bible talks about this throughout Scripture. This is nothing, it's not anything new. Okay? It says, if you have been blessed by God, if you have been called by God, if you've been healed by God, if you've been saved by God, then the next thing is that you will go and you will help other people to experience that same thing. Okay? It is pretty simple. Genesis 12, we see this at the beginning. Jesus, uh, God says to Abraham, look, Abraham, I'm going to bless the socks off of you. Uh, You have no idea what I'm going to do to you, but I'm going to bless you like crazy. And then through you, you will be a blessing to the nations. This is called what missions folks call top line, bottom line. You are blessed to be a blessing to other people. God blesses you up top and then bottom you you go and you bless other people. God said this to Israel. He said, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be a chosen nation, not because you're bigger, stronger, greater, have more military power or money or intelligence. No. In fact, you're the you're puny, You're tiny. You're nothing. But by grace, I've chosen you. And as I've chosen you, I'm going to lift you up, and you're going to be a light to the nations so that nations would see the, 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 the glory of God in Israel. Okay? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, a lot, of, a lot of you growing up in church might have memorized this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And that's not of yourselves. Even that is the gift of God, not by your good works, so that no one can boast. And then he says in verse 10, for you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works so the, the the very simple principle is this that if we 're saved, then we will serve and help other people to experience that. I know a lot of us say, you know what i just i 'm not good enough i 'm not smart enough I'm not, i, I, I don 't have the gifts i don 't have the skill set i don 't have anything that I could offer to people they 'll ask me questions and i won 't be able to answer them. We hear this all the time, but I think at the end of the day. At the end of the day, that would probably be, you know, if you talk to anyone who's experienced Jesus, like had a life-changing encounter, and they say, you know, and, and you tell them, you know, I don't want to share my story, I don't want to share my experience, I don't want to help other people enter into this because I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I don't have all the answers, then they'll probably say, then I wonder if you've really experienced the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. Because if you've experienced it, then you will want to do whatever you can to invite others into that as well. So I you know every every spring i get really excited you know springtime comes around and usually uh, people get excited the flowers start blooming and weather starts changing and and people start getting feelings of, of romant, you know romantic feelings and stuff like that right every spring i get really excited but not because i'm falling in love with a person uh, but because i'm falling in love with a candy you know when easter comes around there's all these like seasonal candies and and it's even it's great for me because when i was growing up my, uh, my mom used to have a gift shop, and we used to sell candy and all that stuff, and during Easter time, we used to sell this one particular candy, and I, I'd never had it before because it's, 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 it's really expensive. It was $1.50, and everything else at the time was 45 cents. This one was $1.50. And so um, it was always like the forbidden fruit for me. And so um, and now and then my mom would let me eat some, like, some of the candy that was there, or chew some of the bubble gum. But this one was like it was so expensive, I always felt bad eating it. So it was almost like taboo for me to have it. Um, I would start eating it. I, I would go to the store and I would buy it. And I would eat it. It was great. I know you're wondering what this is, but I'm, I'll, I'll get to that in a sec. But the, the glorious thing about this is that come Easter time, Okay, all of these Easter candy are there. and then a- day after Easter, all these things go on sale, right? This is great. It uh, goes on sale not because it's rotten, not because it's bad, but because of the packaging of it, right? Because it's Easter and nobody wants to buy Easter candy anymore. You go a week – so I went a week after. Just it- I- I've-, I've done this every year, and I've never been able to find it. I've probably gone too late. But one week after Easter, I went to the Walgreens up here on Tilden Road, and I saw it. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. And I asked them how much it was. they had this sign that said fifty percent off. So I, I took it to the lady and I said, How much does this cost? And she rang it up and it was thirty five cents. Thirty five cents. It's a dollar fifty. Gian's loving this. She's like, Oh my gosh, I need to know what this <laughs> It's a Cadbury cream egg. Have you guys ever had this? Holy cow. On the outside is chocolate, on the inside is heaven. It's beautiful. So 35 cents, what was usually fifty was 35 cents, and so I bought 10 of them, and I was like, dude, this is great, and I'm eating all these things, and actually, Pastor Albert ate most of them. He came in off office, like, just kind of walks so in, he's like, hmm, egg, <laughs> he was taking to eat it, as if he hadn't seen it. It was like, he did that all the time, but, so I went back, and I was like, wow, he ate all of my eggs. So I went back, like, three weeks after Easter, and I saw, oh my gosh, it's like, major price slash all this easter candy and i'm looking for it and i can't find it the box isn't there anymore i'm like oh my gosh i've got to find it so i'm literally like no joke i'm standing there for five minutes looking in the in the walgreens like clearance section candy section and i'm flipping through all of these things maybe like it it slips somewhere and dropped back there and and i went to the regular candy section and and i asked the lady i said i i found this i found one i said i found one cadbury egg are there any more do you guys have any more like hiding somewhere like in the back or something and and then she like looked and and she's like, oh, no, that's not it. That's like another brand. And I was like, yeah, I, I've checked everything here. I'm wondering if there's anything out in the back. And, and she's like looking around and she couldn't find it. She's like, but this, this is Russell Stover. It's the same thing. And I looked and I wasn't sure. So I looked at the picture and it looked like it was the same thing. And so I said, how much are these? And she said, well, let's go ring it up. So she rang it up. The Cadbury egg, get this, was 18 cents. <laughs> hey, this was $1. fifty on an on, on, a normal, normal price, but it was $0.18. Cents. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And then she rang these, these Russell Stover ones that were like the fake me out Cadbury, $0.12 cents each. So I was like, I'm going to buy the whole box. There were like three boxes, but I was like, I mean, Olivia's going to get mad at me. So I just bought one box, and I bought this one Cadbury egg. And I ate the Russell Stover one. My intent is if this is the same thing, I'm going to take this to our missions team. There's like 20, uh, there, at the time there's like 30 of us, but some people couldn't make it every week. So I was like, I'm going to give one to every single person on our mission team. But I, that, that, that week I forgot. And as time went on, there was less and less in there. So I couldn't bring it to them. But so I had this one Cadbury egg and I was like, man, this is amazing. And I really, I was waiting for the perfect time to eat it. And so uh, House Church came over to our house and I was really excited. Like, I was so excited to, to just allow them to experience the beauty and the wonder of this egg. I was so excited. And so I presented it, and I brought out the other Russell Stover stuff, and I was like, but this is the real deal. Like, all the other ones, Russell Stover, and all these things are, are like, ripoffs of this. This is it. And so they started asking these questions. like, what? Like, how much sugar does that thing have? I was like, I don't know. They're like, why is it, isn't that thing so sweet? I've had that one time and it's like so sweet. I was like, I don't think it's that bad. And they're like, what is that white stuff made out of? And I was like, I I don't know. I don't know all the answers to your questions. Just try it. just eat it. You'll like it. And so uh, I think what happened was someone took a knife and they're like, this is too big. And they cut it open and they split it. And they're like, oh, look at that white stuff. That's like some inedible concoction of something or other. I was like, just eat it, please. Just eat it. Because my deepest joy would have been found in them experiencing the same thing that I had experienced and the delight that I experienced in eating that. But as it was, they just kept saying, you eat it, you eat it. We like this other stuff instead. And I think at the end of it all, one person put their tongue on it and they put it back in the middle. And I couldn't eat it afterwards. I ended up throwing it away. That's the deepest frustration is when something that I've experienced that has changed my life as something so beautiful that I I just want them to enter into this and experience this as well when they don't enter into that same experience. At that point, it doesn't matter how much I know about this thing. It doesn't matter how, much, how many grams of sugar it has or what in the world that thing is made out of. None of that matters. The only thing that matters is I've experienced this and I just want you to enter into it. And my joy is not complete unless I can share this with you. See, Mary Magdalene had experienced this life-changing, life-transforming power of Jesus Christ. And then she went and whatever she had, she gave it in order that others could enter into that experience as well. She didn't care. Nobody, she didn't say, you know what, I don't have this degree. I don't know enough. I'm not good enough. All she said was, I've experienced something. I've tasted Jesus and I just want you to enter into that as well. Because I've received, I want you to know this as well. That's the way it was with Mary. And that's the way it is on this journey of faith. That if we've encountered something that has radically flipped our lives right side up from being upside down, then we want others to enter into that experience, to enter into that joy. And our joy is incomplete unless we can allow others to share in that moment. We, we have a, a, a gal. She's not here today. Um, she's, our family's on vacation, but um, we have a college student named Monica. And she um, wanted to, to, with all of her heart, she wanted to be a nurse. And she applied to the nursing program, and she got in last year. And she was really excited about it. It was really challenging and, and demanding program. Uh, but they went around um, I- at nursing school orientation, first day of class. They went around, and, and every 120-some people introduced themselves. They said who they are, and it's a little bit about themselves. And Monica, you know, she, she went up there, and she said, My name is Monica Lee, and I want to be a nurse for Jesus. And I, I met someone in the nursing program some weeks back when, uh, when I was out at UCF. And she said, you know, when Monica said that, I knew immediately that I want to I get to know this girl. I want to talk to this girl. And so as she went into nursing school, because she's a, uh, one of our, our youth teachers, she sends me a report every week and, and a prayer requests of her sixth grade students and her own prayer requests and things going on in her life. And, and she says, you know, I've been really praying and convicted um, even before I ever got into nursing school that I want to do something if I get in. I want to do something for Jesus. And so she's like, I, I don't know what it is, but I'm praying. Can, 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 we, can, you, can you pray with me about this? And, and in time, she said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just start a, a Bible study Monday morning. Okay, Monday morning, and it just started out. She's just taking what she hears on Sunday and just t- tells about it to other people. And as people just begin to come, and now these people are, are sharing their devotions and, and every now and then get a text that says, you know what, um, today was awesome. It was so great. People are so excited and so challenged to, to live their lives out loud. And a, a few weeks back, With a couple months back, she wrote and she said, hey, Pastor DL, my vision, my mission is that every single one of the 125 students in the nursing program will come to know the love of Jesus Christ. And I think every time I hear that, like that, that that just stirs my heart. There's something that she has experienced, the love of Jesus Christ that she's experienced. And she says, I'm not just here to get an education and to be a nurse and to take care of people. I've experienced something that has rocked my world. And it would be be a tragedy for me not to invite other people to share in this kind of a life-changing experience with me. Every single one of these 125 people, I want them to know the love of Jesus Christ. And if we're saved, then we will serve. But it's also the other thing. If we're serving, it's because we've been saved. That's our motivation. We can't get it backwards. I think a lot of times we we may not say this overtly or outwardly, but we feel this. We feel like, you know what, the more I do for Jesus, the more I can bolster my standing in the kingdom of God. The more I do this for Jesus, the more assured I will be of my salvation. Don't we feel like this sometimes? Maybe we feel like the cross was not enough, that I don't think that's enough for me to be accepted by God, and so I need to do more things in order to earn uh, the approval of God. So I'll go on a mission trip and maybe... Maybe that will help me feel a little, little bit better about my standing before Almighty God. I need, to, I need to do this. I need to go to this. I need to do this furiously. I need to evangelize. I need to do all these things. And, and maybe it will help me to feel a little bit better about myself as I stand before God. And when we say that salvation always leads to service and it's a one-way street, we, it can't go the other way. We are never serving in order to get saved or in order to get a right standing before God. It never works that way. It's just a one-way street. And, you know, when we try and do that, that's why people always get burnt out. They always get tired. They always question their salvation. Am I doing enough? Am I doing these right things? And Jesus says it's never been about that. In fact, he says there's going to be a lot of people on that last day who say, Jesus, hold up, hold up. Wait a minute. Didn't we do all of these things for you? Didn't I teach youth ministry? Didn't I go to house church every week? Didn't I go to church? And didn't I give my offering? Didn't I even give my tithe? Didn't I go on mission trips? Didn't I evangelize the people? Didn't I pray before my meals even when no one else did? Didn't I do all of these things? And Jesus says, you know what? There are going to be a lot of people who say to me, Lord, Lord. And I'll say, I never knew you because you thought that by putting your service before salvation, you could earn your right standing before me. And he says, you can't. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And that faith is not even from yourself. That is a gift of God. Therefore, as a result, we go and we serve God. If we're, ser- if we're serving, it's because we've been saved. If we're serving, it's because we've received from God. If we're giving to the kingdom of God, it's only because we first received. That's it. It's a one-way road. It's a one-way street. We get on the train. It leads us straight to service. We don't, we don't, get, we don't get to serving so that we could jump on the train of salvation. As um, our, our daughter, Manny, has been growing in her independence, you, you hit two years old, you hear about the terrible twos, and you hear about this, this individuation stage where they begin to realize that I'm no longer just a part of my mom. I, I used to be in here, now I, and then I used to be like on her, and then I used to be clinging to her. Now I'm beginning to see a whole new world here. And so as she's doing that, she's beginning to realize that she can do things apart from mom and dad. And so she's beginning to realize that I've got skills and I've got gifts and I've got talents. Well, maybe not in that way, but she thinks she can do things. And so she's always wanting to use these things to help Olive and me out. So Olive's in the kitchen sometimes making spaghetti or pasta, and and Manny always, she says, I want to sprinkle the cheese on my pasta, and so she does that. I I want to pour salt into the pot, and so she shakes the salt shaker. I want to... um, Okay, here's a hard-boiled egg. I want to peel it. And so Olive will crack it and then Manny will peel it because she feels like she's contributing something. And she likes to do that a lot when I'm getting ready in the mornings as well. Um, she likes to come and, and when she hears me getting ready, she run and she'll... she'll get the toothpaste out and she'll try and squeeze toothpaste onto my toothbrush. She's not strong enough to do it. And so I'll hold it and I'll squeeze it out. And she thinks she's doing it. And she gets really happy when she does. And then I have this electric toothbrush. And she's like, I want to push the button. I want to push the button. And she can't even push it. She's not strong enough. So I have to put my thumb on top of hers and push the button. And she does. And she gets really excited. She gets really happy. And, and then she says, daddy, you need socks, right? You need socks. I like, I need socks. And so she goes and, and she opens up my sock drawer and she's like, what color today? I say black socks, and she should pull out black socks. And she's like, "Dad, go sit on the bed and I'll sit on the bed." And she's like, "Put your foot up," and and she's like trying to open it up. She's she can't even open it up, and so she like opens it up, and then I take it from I put it on. I say, "Hey, Manny, push it up, push it up." And she thinks she's doing it. She's like, "Daddy, do you need a belt today? You need a belt." I was like, yeah, I need a belt. And so I'll put it all the way around. And, and she's watching me and she's like trying to touch it, trying to push it, push it all the way through. And then I, I latch it on and I just need that, that one last thing to push through. And she's like, Manny we'll do it. I'll do it. And so she pushes it through. And, and I, I think about this. I'm like, Why in the world does she want to do this? I guarantee you, I don't love her anymore because she does that for me. She's not trying to earn a right standing with me. She's not trying to get dad to love her, mom to love her anymore by doing this. Why does she do it? This morning, she was eating her pretzels in front of her iPad as, as I was getting ready to walk out. And, and she came running. She dropped it. She had pretzels in her mouth. And she's like, oh, Dad, Dad, let me, finish the, let me finish your belt. And so she's like spilling pretzels all over the floor. And then she's like <laughs> she like <laughs> pushing my belt in. And then she runs out. Why does she do that? Right, this is her expression of love and devotion to the parents that, she, that she's come to love. She's not doing this because she thinks someone, oh, you know, Manny, oh, we love you even more now. Because, in fact, she slows us down when she does these things. Do you think I can't put my socks on better than she can? Or that I can't put my belt on or that I can't do my, It, it slows me down. I'm like, I'm trying to start my toothbrush before she can hear it. So that by the time she runs in, I can say, oh, I'm sorry, Manny, I already started. But she always somehow finds out. And why does she do it? She does it simply out of love. Why do we let her do it? Because I know in my heart of hearts that she takes such a great delight in being involved in the work of her father, even though I don't need her, one iota. None of that helps me, but I see the joy that it brings to her to be involved in the work of her father, and I gladly let her do it when I'm not late. I gladly let her do that. And so she comes and she does it. And why do we serve God? It's not so that we can earn anything from God. It's not so that God can say, oh, you know what? I love you. I love you so much more than I did because you just did something I couldn't do. And we understand that God doesn't need us to do any of these things. In fact, he could do it a whole lot better without us. I say this all the time, but I, I used to, I, I would talk to some people and after they would lead praise and I'll be like, Hey man, thanks so much for leading us in worship. This is like, I'd go to retreats and say, thanks for leading us in worship. And, and I remember this one guy in particular, he would always say, you know what? It's all God. It's not me. It's all God. I'll say, yeah, you know, praise God. I appreciate God using you. But then I would always say afterwards, I was like, you know what? It's not all God. Like, honestly, if it was all God, it would have been a, a whole lot better if it was all God. Seriously. If you just got out of the way." and God were to incarnate, of come down and lead us in praise, it would be heavenly. Uh, it would be completely and utterly mind-boggling in terms of the, intimate and pow- the intimacy and power of that worship. It's not all God. I understand what he was saying. But here's what I'm saying, is that God doesn't need us. In fact, he does it a whole lot better without us. He could do it a whole lot better without us. But he chooses to use us because he sees the joy that we find in being used in the service of our Father. And so he uses us in that way. See, if we're serving, y'all, it's always because we've been saved, not to be saved, not to get saved. Because salvation always leads to service. And this is a one-way street. That's the first thing. Second thing, and I'll be quicker on this one. But the second thing that we, we see here is that God, Jesus, uses the good and bad Of our lives for His purpose, and God uses the good and bad of our lives for His purpose. Look at Mary's following Jesus. It says the last thing: these women were helping to support them out of their own means. So somehow Mary might have had some finances. There, there's speculation that as she doesn't have family, maybe her family disowned her, they abandoned her, they she didn't have family left, and she might have had property that she sold, but somehow she had money. And this money she used, and, and this would fill the, the pockets of, of Judas's money bag. Not only Mary, but these other women who had been delivered from these diseases as well. that they had money, and they said, you know what, I could use this for a lot of different things, but here's the one thing I want to use it for, is so that Jesus can, can continue to go and make himself known, so that others could experience the healing, transforming power of the gospel and of, of, of this Savior. And these are the things that she had, and she gave uh, for the cause of the kingdom. That, that whatever, and I don't know, some of y'all may have experienced Jesus and, and come to know Christ recently, but whatever you had that was good before you encountered Jesus, he can use that. He wants to use that to advance his kingdom, to advance his purpose. Whatever that might be, whatever good that is in you, whatever good that you have, that's why when we go, like we're going on to Ecuador and and people like Chris, who's just trained himself to, to be the great um, dentist and to be the great, uh, you know, person who works with teeth that he is is going to use that for the for the cause of christ and saying god here's my gifts here's my talent so so chris uses his dentistry and 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 one of our guys is using their taekwondo and and james yay is going to use his body worship and all of these different skills that we have <laughs> the good things that god has blessed us with and we're using these for the for the kingdom of god there, we sing this song right we sang it I think we sang it last week. uh, Heal my heart, make it clean. Open up my eyes to sing things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. I talked about that last week. And then the last line in that that part of that song, it says, um, break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. She's saying, here's, some of us say, some of us say if we're not serving God after we've encountered Christ, Here's what we're saying is nothing that I have for your kingdom's cause. I don't think there's many like that. But others say, you know what, um, a, a little bit of the things, some of the things. Or anything. God, I just, here's Mary, everything I am. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. But it, it's not just the good, you see, and I think this is where we, I think it's easy for us to understand. Yeah, it's the good things that I have that Jesus uses. But it's also the bad things, the hard things. It's the things that we're um, kind of embarrassed about, things that we don't want to talk about. Mary, remember, she had all of these demons afflicting her life, and it probably, I mean, no doubt caused her to do a lot of things that she wasn't proud of. Caused her to a lot of hurtful things, a lot of painful things, a lot of regretful things. A lot of things that were just acting out of her pain and out of her brokenness. And then she encounters Jesus, this one man who changed her life in such a way that she gives everything to him. If you just imagine, she's like, all right, let's go. Let's go. We've got work to do. Let's tell other people about Jesus. Come on. And, and Jesus is like, hold up. Wait a second. You, Mary, you've got not only this money, but you've got, um, you've got, a, you've got, a, you've got a past. And, and Mary's like, hold on, Jesus, but you redeemed me from my past. That's done. It's over. It's forgotten. Let's, let's move forward. We got work to do. And Jesus' is like, wait, wait, wait. Right? Y- you have to understand that, that your past and your brokenness and your pain, that bad stuff, I'm not just going to forget about that. In fact, this is the very stuff, Mary. Don't you realize that wherever you go, you've got a story to tell, that you've got a testimony to share? Don't you know that you've been redeemed and you've been healed of all this stuff and the things that you're trying so hard to run away from. This is part of your life. This is part of your story. And you don't just forget about it. When you come to Christ, you say everything I am for your kingdom's because your history. And we say this sometimes in a negative way. We say, well, that girl's got history. That guy's got history. Saying your history has now become part of it. And you hear this all the time, but your history has now become his story that all this belongs to him, that all this belongs to Jesus and that he's going to use that. In fact, that's, that's the stuff that God is most likely going to use the most to do the work of God in your life. Do you understand? Do you realize this? That it's not just, it's not the great things that you have. It's the pain. It's the brokenness. It's all of these things. One, one pastor, um, Pastor Min Chung out in Illinois, he says, uh, when God forgives, he heals, he restores, he delivers you. He's not just repairing you. He's preparing you. And he's preparing you to do the work that he's called you to do. And some of us, man, we're like running so far from our old life. And he's like, no, 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 you can't. That's not what it's about. The, the last few months, I've been, I've been meeting with a counselor, just working through some issues. But even before that, several years ago, I was meeting for a couple years with a counselor. And this most recent time, I said to him, you know, here's, here's, my, here's what I, well, I want to do. I want to encounter God. I want to meet with him I, through, through these, these series of conversations. I want to be healed so I can move on and get on with the life that God's called me to live. And he says, well, you got to slow down a second. got to realize that you're not working. We're not working through this. God's not working through this stuff so that you can move on from it. These tragedies, this trauma in your life, this is, this is part of you now. This is part of your story. You don't get better and then move forward with it. This is who you are. And it's from this brokenness and it's from this pain that the healing bomb of God is going to come through your brokenness. You don't move on from this. God is not just repairing. He's preparing us. So at our last last youth retreat, we had some of our college and post-college, post-graduated folks go, and and they shared. um, And and there was something just powerful about it. As they recounted the brokenness in their lives, they recounted the depression that they dealt with in high school, in college, as they dealt with issues of, of body image, just being just Broken over over the things that were said or about the image that was uh, about the things that people were saying about them. About just all of this this pain of of whether it be mistakes made or some of them sharing about the the, the drugs that they were involved in and how these things just hurt and messed up their lives. And yet from that place, God was not only repairing them, but he was preparing them so that they could go and they could offer hope and bring others into the experience of the living Savior, Jesus Christ, in the way that they've experienced it. Dave Gibbons says, you know what? Your greatest pain, what is the deepest pain in your life? Because your greatest pain is going to lead you to your greatest ministry. And God doesn't waste any of this stuff, y'all. He doesn't waste any of this stuff. This is what redemption is all about. I think a, a lot of times we have this idea that, yeah, you know, there's good things in my life, and then there's these useless things that we can just get, get rid of. And I don't know if you, I think if, it, we would be wise if we could embrace this kind of like a, an old Korean mentality. When I was growing up in my home, I realized as I look back that my parents were really good at recycling before recycling became in vogue. Maybe your, I think your parents were too, if I explain a little bit. They would, I would pack lunch, for example. I'd pack lunch and, and take it to, to school. As I'm leaving, mom would be like, don't forget to bring your, your brown paper bag back home. <laughs> what? Like, yeah, we can use that again for tomorrow's lunch. And she's like, and, and if your sandwich bag is good, your Ziploc bag, bring that home too. <laughs> like, all right. and if you, if you don't use your napkin you can bring that home too it, I don't know if your, your homes were the kind where you'd have paper towels and you'd use them to wipe your hands and then they would lay it out to dry so that you could use it tomorrow did you guys do that? like our parents were cool they were like so hip and trendy and so green before green even became cool but that's what they're doing and I'll be like looking at that I was like there's no way you could use this again you gotta get rid of this and, and Jesus is saying you that's, that's what you think that's what you think about these, these, these useless parts of your life saying it's from this brokenness that the healing of God will flow out of your life. Do you understand this? See, we think a lot of times the messiness of my life disqualifies me for the ministry, disqualifies me from from serving God. But he says it's that messiness that qualifies you because that becomes a bridge into the lives of other people. You ever been depressed? You ever want to give up? You get so frustrated with the Christian life that you just want to yell a bad word really loud? You ever make mistakes in your life? Things that you're just like, man, I don't want anyone to ever find out about this. You have these like secrets and and this brokenness and, and you don't want anyone to hear. You've been bearing all of these things, the mistakes that you made, the abuse that maybe you've gone through. As the messiness of our lives doesn't disqualify us for the ministry. In fact, that's the very thing. It's the very thing that qualifies us to be used by God because it builds bridges into the broken hearts of people who don't know. And it gives us a point of connection with them and say, hey, look, you can enter in through this path because Jesus moves in in these places. And I don't want to deal with that stuff. I don't want to. Just like you, I want to paint my bottom blue and just keep on moving. But the reality is that's not us. I don't want to walk with a limp, and you don't want to walk with a limp either, but it's that very thing. You know, in Jacob, when he wrestled with God and God wrenched his hip and he just started limping around, Doing the crip walk before that was even cool. He's walking around, limping around, and it was that very thing. He didn't want to limp, but God says, everyone will know that you have encountered me when they see that in you. And then there was Abraham. He said, you know what? The father of the faith, and yet he's constantly lying about the fact that his wife was his sister so that other men could sleep with her so he could save his own life. We see that, and we say, I, can't, I don't know if I could ever become like Abraham, and then we read stories like that. We say, maybe if God can use him, he could use me. You hear about Moses, this man who was the prince of Egypt, led them into the, to the edge of the promised land, and yet he dealt with such a insecurity and anger that it kept him from entering in. That's another bridge built into the life of service. David, king, the greatest king ever in the history of the people of God. A man after God's own heart. And yet so many times he followed his own desires and his own lusts further and further and further away from God. And we see that and we see a bridge into the life of service. Elijah, great prophet, named our son after him. And yet he was so deeply depressed that he just wanted to lay under a broom tree and die. A bridge into the life and yet God can use somebody like him. All of these heroes of the faith, different broken places where they limp and they limp and they limp and people look at that and they see the glory of God. This is who you used to be, but God has changed you. He's transformed you. You've got a story to tell. Every single one of us you all have a story to tell. And by God, if we don't tell that story because we're afraid or because we're not smart enough, because we don't have all the answers or because we're not, whatever it is, that excuse that we make, that's all it is. And we have been given a gracious invitation into the kingdom of God. And every life that's been changed by God is an invitation to experience the life-changing power of the kingdom of God. That's what we're trying to get you to do on June 10th. That's what it is, our cardboard confession. We're not saying, hey, look at me, I'm all good. And it's just an invitation into the life-changing experience of Jesus Christ. Because you see, every person who's ever walked the path of God has walked with this limp. Has been a bridge into their lives and into the life of Christ in them. The only person who didn't was Jesus. But how can we ever enter into that kind of a life? Because he who knew no limp, God made him. He was born as helpless as could be. And he had. There was nothing about his life. That attracted anyone to him. Beginning of his life helpless though he was God. End of his life though he was God helpless. Completely surrendered. And broken. And whipped and beaten. The one who knew no sin, knew no brokenness, took that upon himself. That's yours. That's mine. That's our brokenness. We deserve that. We deserve to be there. We should have been there. We should have been on the cross, crucified, beaten, bloodied. And yet he took that so that we could be forgiven, so that our brokenness isn't just a brokenness, but it's a brokenness that leads to healing. Isaiah, God's word says, it is through his wounds that we find healing. And that paradigm becomes the paradigm of our lives, that through our wounds flow the healing of Christ for the healing of many others. Salvation always, my friends, leads to service. It's a one-way road, but God wants to use not only the good things, but even the hard things, the rough things, the bad things, the shameful things of our lives for His purposes so that others might experience that same life-changing joy that you've experienced as well. Let's pray. As we spend a moment in prayer, let's think, are we serving God? If you've been changed, are you serving God? How are you using your life, in order to allow others to be invited into this life of Christ. If we're not, guys, a non-serving Christian, that is an oxymoron. There's no such thing in Scripture. Maybe if we're not serving, we need to confess to the Lord and say, God, I've made excuses for why I shouldn't. Forgive me and and change me and help me to use what you've given me for your kingdom. And maybe others of us were, were thinking that we just need to hide our brokenness. We need to hide our shame. We need to hide the pain in our lives. And, and God's saying, no, it's not, that's not it at all. And you've got a story, and everything that you are, history belongs to him now. His story, your story is part of his. And let him use it. Let him use it. Because out of that pain will come your ministry. And God wants to use that. God wants to use you uh, for his kingdom. And so let's... Uh, let's Take some time to, to pray and to just respond to the Word of God in, in that way. Let's take a few moments to do that. Let, let's pray together. As we um, just continue to pray, let's search our hearts as we prepare to come to the table of grace. Ask the Lord that He would examine our hearts. One of the things that only the Spirit of God can do is to help us to see that we are a whole lot worse than we dare to believe so many things that we take for granted, so many things that we don't realize about ourselves. Let's ask the Spirit to convict us and to challenge us so that we could surrender these things and realize that Christ died for these things. He died for the pain. He died for our brokenness. He died for our shame. He died for our sins and the guilt that comes with it. So let's come and, and let's take some time just to confess anything that we need to confess before the Lord. We surrender that to the Lord for a few moments before we continue. In heaven, we confess our need for you. Lord, it's so easy to forget the mercy that has been shown to us because we can be so defiant against you, so sinful against you, and willfully turn away from you and understanding that you died for us we use that as a license to sin rather than as a deterrent that drives us in love to run to the cross father forgive us for taking for granted the most amazing sacrifice that the world will ever know and the greatest act of love ever seen thank you that because we forget you gave us these sacraments to remind us of the amazing love of God pray that as we come to the table for those who do, and as we sing for those who don't, would you remind us and awaken in our hearts a new gratitude, a new love, a new surrender to the cross and the beauty of the one who hung on it for the forgiveness of our sins and the healing of our lives. Thank you so much. We love you because you've loved us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name.